and we watch politics. The mm-hmm. Democrats and Republicans. We're yeah. talking about disasters, world disasters. It's so many different things mm-hmm. that are going on. But what I don't hear a lot in the media or conversation online is your relationships in your house, you know, mm-hmm. your your children, mm-hmm. with your spouse. Nobody yeah. speaks to that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest issues that people are not paying attention to is that probably one of the serious problems that we have. And that's why we're dealing or still in some of the calamity that mm-hmm. we're in. Yeah. So it was it was a it was a post that mm-hmm. you had that you had made about a week ago that okay. really made me pay attention. Mm-hmm. And you had said that you've been married for 32 years. 30 years this year. 30 years. 30 years coming up. And what did you say? You said how many years? 23 were terrible. <laughs> 23 were terrible. 23. 23, man. It's tough. It was t- it was terrible. I didn't know how to be married. Wow. I come from a line of pimps, womenizers, and, you know, divorce was just a part of my family culture. Like, I got my, my mother came from a family of six. My father had a family of eight. Those 14 children, only three of them had marriages that lasted. They were only three of people that were married to one person. Wow. Everybody else was divorced or multiple marriages or never married. And and so the pattern was my two parents, five marriages between them. Your two parents? My mother and father. Wow. Five marriages between them. Wow. So I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know. That becomes magnified when you're in the situation. It's one thing to be ignorant about something and you ain't in it. Mm. But your ignorance is exposed when you're in a situation. You don't know what to do. And mm. I got kids and I got a wife and they're depending upon me to be faithful and, and be, you know, what I'm supposed to be. And I don't know how to do it. Mm. Um, yeah, it was bad. I wouldn't want to be upset or unhappy for two months. <laughs> I was It was miserable for two decades. I'm sure a lot of people right now listening, they're probably saying 23 is no way. Right. I would have been gone at two years, sure. six months, you know, four or five years or whatever. It just seems like people are not these days. These days, it just seems like people are not staying married long. Well, well, I will say this in fairness to some people. I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Two years is too long. Two days. Is, I don't want to be unhappy for two days. <laughs> the difference is for me, because of my history, I just wanted to fix it. I just wanted to be the first in my family to make it. So I was motivated to stay in a marriage, a bad marriage. I, I was so mad at my father for late, for leaving, I stayed. Mm. I was so angry with him because he left us that I stayed. So part of my, I ain't going to be like you. That was part of the motivation. But the other thing is, because of the work that I do, divorce could really impact my career. So, like, as, a, as an athlete, when you were playing, playing professional sports or playing at a high level, if you use certain performance, if you, you put something in your body that was mm-hmm. detected, it could mess your career up. Yeah. So, somebody else can do it, but you can't. You right. got to watch what you put in your body, right? That's true. So, the kind of work that I do, pastoring a church, I couldn't leave my marriage and maintain my platform. Wow. Because people don't allow preachers to do that. That's just we, we that's a forbidden thing. So I had a, lo- a a couple of motivations to stay longer than most people would. Mm. So I don't wish that on anybody. But I'll say the last seven years have made up for all twenty three bad ones because we finally figured out. And I talk about I talk about our journey in a, in, a, in a book that I wrote called Side Chickology: Why Men and Women Cheat. I talk about our journey in that book. And the things that we did, the lessons we learned, that just some small things that that made it work. But yeah, twenty three years it was bad. 
My wife said twenty one one time. Okay, it would be two years apart. But it was just, I think I think I actually think Bobby before our first child was born, it was cool. It wasn't great, but it was cool. When children come into marriage, they can really, really, really change the dynamic hmm. because hmm. your energy and attention is divided now. You have to get at you, children. They won't survive without your energy and attention. Wow. They can, they can, they they can't change themselves. They can't feed themselves. You got to do so much that you had that you had that energy before for each other. Now you got it's. They can they, children are game changer. As mm. bad as people want kids, mm-hmm. them little jokers can, I, I can bust a marriage up. <laughs> True, indeed. They'd be all in between. You used to have sex just at the drop of the hat. I used to get se- man. I used to have sex with my wife in the kitchen, right. just right here, right now. Now you got little kids. You got to wait till they sleep. Right. Got to hit them with Benadryl and Tylenol. Make sure they go to sleep. <laughs> got to make sure the door locks. They don't walk in. That's too Keep much, real. man. That's yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I I thank you for being transparent with that. A lot of people are not trans. It's some people who would. You've been married for thirty years. You, you put that thirty years on someone else, mm-hmm. and we'll ask them. You know, how's marriage been for thirty years? And and that 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 man or woman would say, you know, it's been great. Oh no! And then you got somebody <laughs> like myself who's asking questions. You know, as a teenager, twenty something, like how do you do this? And they're they're not telling me the truth. Yeah. Then we're going into. Then I don't think some people are realizing how impressionable certain people oh, yeah. are, and how much people are paying attention to other people's marriage. So you're saying on the flip side of that, you know, you was invested in your marriage because of how you grew up. You did mm-hmm. not want to quit because so many people, you saw so many people quit. Mm-hmm. Could that be a reverse thing with people who grew up in the same situation and they saw people quit or they're like, you know, I'm not going to be ha- unhappy like that, so I'm going to exit fast. Yeah. I'm not going to stay in this. I, I haven't seen this before, so I'm Absolutely. leaving. Absolutely. What you saw coming up definitely can impact the way you perform or the way you commit to a relationship in marriage. Some Some of what you saw creates expectations. Hmm. Well, no, I watched my mother cook for my father. Then you want Keisha to cook for you. Keisha's Keisha working. Your mother wasn't working nowhere. You hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. it, you know, it's like your history cannot be divorced from your presence. So you do bring that into the marriage context. And do you're right. Some people will say, I'm not going to deal with what my mother put up with. I'm not going to deal with what my father put up with. He put up with that disrespect. I'm not dealing with that. So they are maybe quicker to go. I was maybe more apt to stay because I know the pain of not having a father in the house. Right. I really, you know, I really knew my boys would struggle if I left. I have two sons and a daughter. And I, I thought my daughter would be okay. But I did, I always knew I needed to be there for my sons. And they might run wild. The, street, you know, the street's going to raise them hmm. if I'm not there. So there was some motivation. But I do think that. What you experience as a child can definitely impact how you operate in a marriage and how long you stay and what you're willing to put up with and what you expect mm-hmm. going in. Like, you know, um, if I was in a, a patriarchal situation with a man, call all the shots and all that, and the woman just kind of just was subservient and followed the direction, you kind of maybe go in with that expectation. And when a woman stands up and gives her opinion, you think she's being disrespectful. Mm. Where she's just actually trying to be a partner, right? So it's a lot of that. There are all kinds of conversations that create tension in current marriages can be traced back to what they witness as children. Absolutely, mm. Mm. for sure. Right here with Pastor Keith Battle, Zion Church having this conversation, and of course, you know he's going to keep it all the way real. And I appreciate <laughs> that. We're going to talk about a no holds barred, right? Yeah. You were talking about father. You, you said your two sons; they would struggle mm-hmm. if, if if you left. 
And I had heard this statement, never heard this before in my life, but I just heard it maybe, let's say six months ago. And it says fathers are equal to 100 teachers. Mm. <laughs> when I heard mm-hmm. that, I was like, mm-hmm. and that's powerful. Yeah. Fathers I've are equal to 100 teachers. I mean, that, that father is, that is so powerful. When I, yeah. mean, I sat there and thought about that for like the next three hours. It was on a social media meme. Yeah. And it, but it seems like, Pastor, the father is not in the picture more and more. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the older I get, I've, I've had these conversations with other men who mm-hmm. basically said, you know, because the story is always your father wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he left. Yeah. But it's like some people have a different narrative when they actually talk to their father, they get the story. Oh, you know what? I was trying to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. They didn't want me to be there. They pushed me away or they kept me away. So, I mean, is is that a thing or is that... I mean, is it a phenomenon or is that a figment of people's imagination? Is that really no, happening? No, I think I think I think I think for some men who are not with their children's mother, I think there is a level of tension in that relationship that makes it difficult. But I don't think it excuses them. See, I think every father should make a valiant effort to be connected to his kids. That's that's essential. And there's so many ways you can connect. You can get your you can get your child a cell phone. You can call them. You can Facetime them. You can go on their social media page. You can DM them. You can make sure you're there when it's parent teacher night. You're a parent. You don't have to be excluded from any of those. You can be at all the games or the recitals and pick up for practice and honor your custody times. If you're supposed to be there, you get custody or whatever. I, because and the reason why that's so important, regardless of how tenuous the relationship is with the ex. Because children have a difficult time differentiating between what really caused the split. Hmm. That they don't necessarily understand and comprehend that this ain't about me and dad, this is about mom and dad. They they automatically interpret dad's absence as they're rejecting themselves. And hmm. that's real. Hmm. So if you now you you magnify that with a bitter if, – if, if, the, if the wife is bitter or the ex is bitter in that sense or she has ill feelings towards him and he doesn't show up and say, you know your father not going to show you, always break his promise. If that kind of conversation happens, it fuels that kind of distance like he must not love me. And what it is is he's, he's battling against the tension and the frustration of being around this woman that's pushing his buttons and calling him out his name and all that, and you ain't nothing, you ain't this. But I think a man has got to put all that aside and say, I'm going to be there for my kids no matter what. I'm going to be engaged in their life. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be – you got to overcome those obstacles. Mm-hmm. They're, they're obstacles, but you got to overcome them. Mm-hmm. And I think I think every man should take it upon himself to do that, whatever it takes, legally, physically, geographically. Even even passing up opportunities that may, you know what, I could I could I could relocate to the Midwest. I live on the West Coast right now. I could Midwest I could relocate to the Midwest. I live in the southeastern part of the country and get this job that'll take me to another level, help me reach my dream. But at, at my kids' ages, they're eight and eleven right now. I, I really feel like it's important that I be here. See, that's a man right there. That's a father. Mm-hmm. That's not just an ambitious artist or an ambitious architect or an ambitious 
a communicator or an author or whatever, that's a father talking. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. And sometimes as a dad, you got to do what's right for them kids. And part of doing what's right for them is being geographically close enough to be there in a, in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You may have a, a part, uh, ex parte against you, mm-hmm. but you got to get next to them kids. Right. You know, right. Th- that's what I'm saying. I, I think that's very important. Absolutely. I, I, I can't give a man a pass on that. Right. Even if the woman is giving him the blues, you can't get a pass because them are your kids, man. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. With the core system, <clears throat> a lot of people say that the core system is um, helping. Some people say the core system is hurting uh, families. A lot of men say they don't get justice, mm-hmm. even with representation. They're sure. saying, hey, I'm trying. I want to see my child. Mm-hmm. You've heard brothers say, you know, I'm, I'm going. I want to get at least half the time. You know, I'm, I'm available. I'm, I'm here. She doesn't want me to see my child like I saw him or my children or my daughter or my, you know, my son is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying all of those things. Mm-hmm. So it, it's starting to look like it's people who are purposely saying you know what he's going he wants to be there mm-hmm. he wants to he's sacrificing the time but she mm-hmm. just simply does not want him around she wants yeah. to move on she has a new boo you know mm-hmm. a new husband mm-hmm. you know somebody and she's going to insert that person into the picture mm-hmm. where you used to be mm-hmm. and that's a that's a thing now mm-hmm. you know and it's mm-hmm. like I say, you know, hey, we're gonna. I'm going to be that person that's going to amplify those questions and ask. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we resolve that? You know, you know, when you when you introduce the legal system into a family system, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody said, well, is it good or is it bad? Well, I think it's both. So the legal system is good when it allows somebody to end a toxic, unhealthy relationship in a safe way that provides context and 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 boundaries and expectations for these people moving forward. It kind of helped a, f- a family function fractured. Yeah. Where 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 it fails us, I think, is in two ways. One, I don't think the legal system does enough intervention to make required counseling and support to restore families and to get the couple. See, the apex of the family construct is the marriage. Mm. At the end of the day, they're in there fighting over custody for the kids. But what we miss is, what happened to y'all? Hmm. Well, why aren't we having that conversation? Why don't we get Keisha and Rollo in some counseling? Hmm. Why don't we make that mandatory? Since I'm the authority here, we're not doing anything to, what happened to y'all? Why is nobody's heart broken over the couple, right? Let's start there because that's the apex of the construct. So I don't think we do, I don't think the legal system is structured in such a way where it does a, great, a good enough job of intervening to try to bring restoration. The third part of it is, is that there's always a human element. When you walk into a courtroom, you don't just walk into a system. You walk into a system that's governed by people. That judge is a person. Hmm. And that person has opinions. And that judge makes judgments. Hmm. That's their job, to make a judgment. Hmm. It's not just the law. They're making a judgment. They're making a judgment about what their own their own opinion is about a man or a black man mm-hmm. or a deadbeat dad or 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 a sassy ghetto woman. Mm-hmm. They, they're making judgments, right? And so we have to understand that human element sometimes is engaged in that process and how they determine the situation. It may not be. They may have a beef with the lawyer. Like, I don't like your attorney. I don't like how they approach the bench, wow. whatever. I mean, you, you see, I think sometimes we think that it's just the system. It's people. Mm-hmm. That judge is gonna get in a get in a Ferrari down in the in a in an assigned parking space mm. and drive back to their gated community 
and play beer whist and pinochle and bridge <laughs> and go, and play golf the next day. And let's be real. Yeah. This ain't this ain't a machine. Mm-hmm. This is a person. Wow. And you came in, your pants were sagging. He said, man, I ain't giving this man no time. Man, you know what? You got full custody. Wow. Off of that. Not even the It's law. a judge. <laughs> Think about the term judge. Yeah. I judge. Mm. I judge. I don't just judge the law. I make assessments. You don't think they're making an evaluation there? That's just, if I'm wrong, I doubt it. Mm, mm. (laughs) Because you never remove a human element from any situation. Nobody is divorced from who they are as human beings, Mm. you know? So I would love to be the fly on the wall in the the judge's quarters Mm. where they're having conversations about what just went on in there, in the chambers, right? yeah. Because it ain't just about the law then. You see how, how you going to come up in my, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You seen judges pull rank in the courtroom. You ain't going to do that in my courtroom. Right. Kind of like now it's testosterone. Who I don't mean to go off on a soapbox, but, you know, That's what real. if that That's guy, yeah. you know, didn't make varsity? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Maybe mm-hmm. just, you know, sometimes people, some, one, one of the things that happens in police brutality that a lot of people don't pay attention to is the psychology of brutality. First of all, you put a white officer in a community he's never been a part of, mm. and he's always he's he's already a foreigner around here. Mm. So if that off if they put an officer there that grew up around there, if he grew up in Berry Farms, mm-hmm. then he knows Skeeter is just high. Right. He ain't a danger man. He smoked crack. Right. And by the mind, he'll help your mother put her eggs, put her eggs exactly. up, pull the right. Right. But tonight, you white, he on crack. You think he's gonna kill you, so you shoot him. So mm. first of all, the system is messed up because we don't have people policing areas where they're from, mm. that they understand the culture. But it's also very interesting when you do a background check on people who go into law enforcement. Most of them were very insecure people, mm. and they thrive on security. They never felt control. Mm. This is the kind of person. And when you say, if you're secure, and I and you tell a young man is disobeying you, hey Trey, sit down. If you're secure, you say, no, nah, I don't want to sit down. Do you know I need to give him a few minutes? He in his feelings right now. But if you're insecure, or you ain't going to sit down? So now you're worried about what people think about your authority. Now you're going to take it up with mine. You're going to mace him, beat him with a stick. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to take this. So I'm saying there's a human element everywhere going on. So I, right. that's, a, that's a soapbox. Good information right here. That. See, and that's why we have him here because people need answers. And he's given mm-hmm. those those real answers. Ladies and gentlemen, we're sitting here with Keith Battle, all right? And we're, we're going to get into he has something special that he brought to the studio with us. And we're going to get to that real soon because you're <laughs> going to definitely want to pick it up. But I'm trying to just lead you up to it. <laughs> a lot of times in relationships, people, when things fail in a relationship – a marriage mm-hmm. or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a you know, whatever relationship you have with mm-hmm. your significant other. Yeah. First people they start talking to is <laughs> their friends, mm-hmm. family members, and also coworkers. How mm-hmm. can that help or hurt? I mean, does that affect relationships? When I mean depending on who you're speaking to mm-hmm. and the advice that they're giving you. Do we need to be careful with who we speak to? I think I think I think there are protocols for conversations that fit different contexts. For example, when it comes to family and friends and coworkers, I think their best contribution to you as a person interested in a relationship is advice pre-marriage. The reason why their their advice is 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 priceless pre-marriage is because it's dangerous not to listen to the people who know you best who have your best interests, and who are not emotionally tied to the person you fell in love with. Mm. Because even though love is blind, your family and friends ain't blind. 
their eyes are wide open. Right open. So having them fill out the person and say, "Hey, what do you think about? What do you think about Bob? What do you think about Keith? Or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts? I think he's a good dude. You know, doing your research around people who are not emotionally tied. I think he's suspect. I think he's tricky. I think you need to. I think you should be very careful. I think you should leave him alone. Well, you need that up front. The problem is, once you get married, you've entered into a whole different space now. Mm. Now their feedback is unhealthy because it's unbalanced. What you need at once you're married, you need balanced conversations. You need somebody you can't just sit down with somebody that's all gonna see you your way. Like, oh yeah, man, you know, it I knew when you started dating her, she was gonna be bad for you. And you just sitting there at the table and drinking and you just trying to get it together and said, Man, man, you you a good dude. You do you better than me. No, you need somebody at that point to say, What's wrong with your attitude? Mm. Did you say you were sorry? Have you, have you, have you, she says you wanted to go out more. How many times y'all been out? Oh, man. And see, if you just listen to people, that's the difference. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Pre-marriage, get that input. Once you get married, now you need neutral conversations. Because your family and friends are really going to stay pro-you. They pro-you prior to it. Where is the person in your family going to tell you straight up you wrong? Man, I swear, if, if that happened, a lot of people would be married. Stay married. They wouldn't. It would never be the divorce rate would be a lot lower. I would say that. Because, but you're right. You're right. Most hey, people, most family, you go to your family, the family, and you ride in the car. Say, man, man, let me holler at you, man. What's wrong, man? Man, she get on my nerves, man. Make me the whole time. He said, man, I feel you, man. I feel you, man. Let's go, man. Let's go get some buffalo wings or something. Mm-hmm. Like they just because their role there is consol this consolation. They're there to console, not to consult. Mm-hmm. What you want to sit in front of somebody neutral who's not going to ignore your feelings, but also going to not, not going to ignore the facts. Right. You're, so, so you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. contextual yeah. when their input matters. And I say get input prior to the marriage from your family, friends, and coworkers. Afterwards, you got to find some neutral voices. Because well, you, can, you can load up with allies. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you're in a marriage, you need somebody that's going to check you and challenge you and say, hey, I think you both need to move towards the middle on this. Hmm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. I think I think some light bulbs are going off for some people. And this yeah. is great. But we're going to have this dialogue <laughs> and conversation, who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Although the, the time spent with, with coworkers, with your extended mm-hmm. family, and with your, with your friends, uh, that's a big argument in relationships. She or he is spending way too much time. The co-worker thing, you talk about, what, six to eight hours at, at, at your job, and it's mm-hmm. gotten easier now because people can, hey, you can instant message the person. Remember, you had to get up and go to the cubicle and talk to them mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, but now it's a whole bunch of messages that you can send to people, sure. and then you add on, y'all going out to lunch together or happy hour. This is a big argument with a lot of people. You're mm-hmm. spending too much time with your homegirls. Mm-hmm. You're with your homeboys like y'all still in college. Dude, right. you're not, I understand that you're a mega sci-fi or yeah. Kappa yeah. Or, or, or whatever fraternity you're in, but you're not in college anymore. You're a husband. You know, you're a father. Mm-hmm. You can't go to Brazil on a men's trip. That's a big argument. Absolutely. How does that play, Pastor, into your relationship, spending too much time with everybody else yeah. except your mate? So, you know, somebody once said that some people spell love T-I-M-E, right? That love is, is shown in your calendar. Like where you invest your time. But I'm going to answer this again. I'm going to answer it a little differently. I think that any person that's going to be healthy 
needs a balance of social relationships. I don't think it's healthy to just be connected to your spouse or your girlfriend or your significant or your boyfriend or your husband. I think that's unhealthy. I think you need friends, you need colleagues, you need friend, co-workers, you need family members where you do social things with. I think that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Where I think it becomes a problem is is when it disrespects the the boundaries and when it when it doesn't respect the time of your spouse. For example, I think one of the things that makes marriage difficult for some people is that they don't feel like they're children anymore, so why should I have to ask permission to do stuff? Wow. Well, that's called mutual accountability, mutual submission. That's 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 actually a framework to build a relationship on. Like this you're not you're not my boss, I'm not your boss. We mutually submit to one another in order to have a healthy relationship. What does that mean? What's mutual submission look like? Hey, um um thinking about guys said they won't go fishing. We're gonna take a fishing trip for a couple of days. It's coming up. I checked the calendar, it looks like you're going to be off. Is that okay? Are you cool with that? Would you be cool with me doing it? Now we're communicating. Well, actually, that's not a good weekend. Could y'all move it back to June? Well, let me check with them. But I, but, but you say it's good in June. Yeah, but that's going to be a bad weekend, May, because I had some other thing. Oh, okay. So now we're communicating, right? right. It's respectful. As opposed to somebody saying, oh, what I got to ask you for? I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man. Hmm. Or just making plans without taking into consideration the impact on it, that's that's reckless. That's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And then I think some of those social relationships need to have boundaries. Like what is what is acceptable conversation? When does it cross the line? When you start talking about me. We start talking about us. You start talking about our personal business. And 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 what is a boundary about timing? Like why are you talking to her at eleven thirty? Mm-hmm. Why is she texting you right now? Oh, uh, she she just had a fight with her. She don't, you know, we like brothers and sisters. Oh, no, I'm not cool with that. Mm. Not 11.30. Mm. This ain't work. And then you're like, well, what you talking about? You're always overreacting. You're always overreacting. Like, you're, what you trying to police me? You think I'm doing something wrong? You must be doing. And we, we start arguing over stuff that really we're wrong about. Like wow. boundaries, respecting each other's time. I think it's good to have that kind of balance. I don't think you should be isolated and only connecting with each other. Mm-hmm. But you gotta be able to get permission to roll out and take trips and 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 can I are you okay with this? You know? And and don't and you shouldn't ask anything that you wouldn't be okay with. Right, that makes sense. Like, makes you going sense. to Brazil? Well, okay, I'm going to Vegas. You going, you know, you going to do that. I'm gonna do whatever. Like, mm-hmm. are you cool? Are you cool mm-hmm. with me doing what you did? If mm-hmm. you're not, you shouldn't even ask. Wow. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, we're mm-hmm. here, and Pastor Keith Battle, man, his his words. I mean, you can check him online, and he he does a a lot of wonderful and amazing pieces, where you can get it on Instagram. You can find out about mm-hmm. it. You can see about these things and um, the comment sections, man. It's just I, I love I live for the <laughs> comments, man, because people are actually having you know these arguments in your comment section, <laughs> but they also having resolution. Yeah. So it's yeah. really good, and certainly be able to check him out. How can people? Find out about where you are, you know, the church, yeah. uh, the your social media sites. So I'm um, Keith Battle everywhere. It's Keith Battle on Facebook. I'm Keith Battle on Twitter and Keith Battle on Instagram. At Keith Battle all places. Try to keep it simple. Um, sagacitycompany.com is the website. S-A-G-A City. Sagacity sounds like Saga City. The word company spelled out dot com. You can download information. Mm-hmm. 
access the book, find out about um, stuff I'm doing, where I'm speaking, and stuff like that. Zion Church is the church I pastor. We have locations yes. in Fort Washington, Maryland, Woodbridge, Virginia, and Landover, Maryland. We have weekend services on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. So if they want to check it out, we'll come on WPGC. I'm sorry, on the morning. <laughs> this will probably be edited out. <laughs> 102.3 Magic on Sunday mornings. Um, you know, but but you know, most of the stuff you can find is right online. Like you found it mm-hmm. online on YouTube. You follow us on YouTube. I also have a podcast, the Keep Battle Podcast. Certainly, is where you can uh, check us out. So we try to be in a lot of places, man. You know, you, I learned from you, you one of my a, mentors. Yeah, be everywhere. Yeah. Be everywhere. Yeah. Be everywhere there are people. Because to me, the only two things that are going to last forever, and that's truth and people. You know, lies will fade. Songs will fade. Mm-hmm. Time will fade. Yeah. The truth and people last forever. That's indeed. And so if we invested in the truth and we invested in people, we, we're good. Yeah. So I always want to help people and I always want to know truth. And because truth, truth. Truth, truth transforms, it does. It really does, it does, right? There's a there's a there's a verse in in scripture that says, "If you know the truth, the truth can make you free." Mm. So mm. it's like it's liberating to know the truth. Yeah, right? yeah, and you tell it, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why Pastor Keith Battle is here with me because we need the truth, and a lot mm-hmm. of times it's um, it's candy coated. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's just not even being told at all. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of people are going in the dark. They're going in these different directions where they can be liberated. Mm-hmm. Had someone decided to actually just tell the truth, yeah, just yeah. say something to them, convey yeah. that message, that experience that you went through, because that's what people are looking for. So mm-hmm. if you give me twenty percent of 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 what you could have, you know, you could give me a hundred, but you gave me twenty, then you know I could be set off for another ten, fifteen, twenty years, yeah. and not get the answers. It's just like you said earlier, the person has been married 30 years and tell you it's always been great. If, then it makes me feel like, well, I must, be, I must have married the wrong person because mine's not great. Right. If it's supposed to be great. But if you be honest with me, you have to tell me the police used to come to the house. Or you tell me as a husband how you've learned how to master, how you've mastered sleeping on the couch. You know there's a skill to sleeping on the couch. <laughs> because you, you can't turn over on the couch. You have to right. pivot. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? How do I know that? You don't roll over on the couch, you're on the floor. You pivot. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? You know how to pivot. You know how to work your torso right. and stuff. Yeah, I understand all that. Right, right. You know, you know. That's real. Go to sleep with one eye open. You don't know if she come <laughs> she throw some hot grits on you or, or you you know, fix your plate. On you. <laughs> fix your plate. You don't know what's in Put the plate. special you know? in there. Yeah. You might not wake up. Yeah. So, I Man. mean, just, just I think when people don't give you, I don't believe anybody keeps it 100. I'm going to be honest with you. 100 is the whole truth. You know when they ask you in court to tell mm-hmm. the truth, the whole truth, truth and, and nothing but the truth. truth. That right. means you can't add nothing to it. People might keep it 90. They may even keep it 89.3. I'll take that. <laughs> That's higher than 20, though, right? right? I'll take that. I mean, a lot of people give it 5%, 10%, yeah, yeah, and it's right. just like it's fake. people are That's lost. Fake. No, that's too, that's, that's that's too fake. little. That's fake. I don't expect you to tell me everything. Yeah. But yeah, we need yeah. more. You tell me everything, we're going to call the police on you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and these days, they can go back and get you for something that you may have yes, been that did. I can never years tell ago. the whole truth. I'd be incriminating <laughs> too many people. So, man, we're, you, you, you're an author. He's an author, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. and congratulations on Thank that, you, man. being an author, too. Thank you. And you have a new product out on the market. Yes, sir. Side Chickology. Yes, sir. Let's talk about Gotta that, a, man. It yeah. says, why men, this is a hot one right here, why men and women cheat. Yes, sir. 
There is a reason behind it. And it's also, so this, this book is written for people to understand how the world cheating operates, how oh. infidelity happens in, in committed relationships. It can be, it can be a same sex relationship. It can be a courtship, but people are, for the most part, are expecting faithfulness. They're expecting you to be committed to them. Oh. But what happens is there are certain patterns that lead towards infidelity and crossing a line. And those patterns include a loss of focus, a loss of, of uh, attention. I call it ADD. Hmm. You said it earlier. Um, uh, uh, attention deficit disorder is a, is, a, is a mental health issue, and I have a big uh, interest in the area of mental health. But I believe there's something called relational ADD. Hmm. Relational ADD is when you feel unappreciated and unvalued by your by the person that you're in a relationship with. Mm. And what happens is when you feel in relational ADD, you're, you're, you're drawn to get that attention somewhere else. So some people get it from their work. Well, I'm very popular at work, so I get my, I get, that's why I work so many hours. Mm. Or I'm popular at the church, or I'm popular in the community, or I'm, or I'm popular on social media. So I take pictures of me and my, I keep showing pictures of my butt. Because I get a lot of likes, hmm. but my man doesn't even. He acts like it ain't even there. Whatever. Like people will, will, are attention seekers, and if you, what happens is, if that attention comes from a real person in real time in real space, it becomes very dangerous. It becomes hmm. volatile, hmm. because now this is not just me out working. Now this is a person who literally says, "I think you're a great person." Wow. And man, any man that got you. Is a blessed man. Mm. Well, you know how deeply that goes into a person who hasn't heard a word of appreciation in two years, mm. only hearing complaints. Mm. You don't do enough. You don't cook. You don't clean. You spend all our money. Blah blah blah. And there's a guy she works with that says, "Your husband don't know how blessed he is." Mm. Mm. He's like, "Stop playing, Ralph. Mm. Mm. You're so kind." Mm. But you know what? She ends up back at that table next week. Hey, Ralph, can you go over this? What do you think about this? They ain't, they ain't wow. got nothing to do with work. Wow. You smell so good, Vivian. What are you wearing? <laughs> Man, he tell the truth. Here. This is high setup. Come on here. Uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. I go through that. It's a, it's a whole game. I spend two chapters setting up. So I don't go right into the okay. to the draws. All right. it's, a, it's, it's, it's a setup. You understand what I'm saying? The flow. And it seems like that person shows up right at the time when you're at your lowest or, or mm-hmm. you know, it speaks your language. She speaks your language yeah. right at that time when you and your spouse are just really on ropes. The thing is, they've been there. They become, you become more aware of them mm. when you're in a dark circle, when you're in a dark place because you had no need to go into that space with them. And what happens is they're little, they're little I call them tennis match conversations. Some It's in the book. It's, it's called The Tennis Match in it's a volley and serve. And so what happens is there's strategic statements that are made. Like when some when, when two people want to go see if this can go any further, they they'll they'll throw out a little bait to see if the person goes for it. Mm-hmm. It's like a lob, like just a little soft hit over the net. And if it comes back, you know you're good. Mm-hmm. Like if you say something and you it's it's gotta be something that's neutral enough that I can play it off like I ain't mean nothing by it, but suggestive enough. 
that if you go with it, wow. we making progress. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I can't get a book away. I can't give it away though. You got to get there. You ain't go buy it to see what I'm saying. I'm breaking down. Psychology, ladies and gentlemen, is the name of the book. Why men and what? Based off of what he just said in the past five minutes, lets me know that he knows. I already know that the brother knows exactly what he's talking about. If you listen to him, if you go to his services, you if you've seen him online, if you if you've been to a service, you know that. Pastor Keith Battle keeps it all the way real, and that's what we need. Mm-hmm. And just in the last five minutes, I mean, I'm sure people want to get the book because people want to know. Nobody wants to be cheated on, right? And people want to figure out, well, how do I recognize the signs? What's going on? What am I yep. doing? If you're a smart person, you got to say if you if you keep saying it's your mate mm-hmm. and they're doing everything wrong, right. you're gonna be in a situation, right? You know, so so. I mean, I got a lot of questions now, <laughs> for that. but the book Side Chickology. Is it for married people? Is it for single people? I mean, yeah, it's for both. It's for both. So, so what the book does for single people is is help a single person really think because there are two mentalities you can have as a man. You can have a boyfriend mentality, or you can have a husband's mindset. Same with a woman. You can have a girlfriend mentality, or you can have a wife mindset. Um, you don't become a wife when you get married. You become a wife in your mind. They have a wife, a, a, the mentality of a wife, right? Like, so you're saying they're preparing? Are they preparing before you get married? Absolutely. You're preparing. In the Bible, it says the man that finds a wife, not a girlfriend, when he finds a wife, he found a good thing and obtained favor. She was a wife when he found her. Wow. It's it's the way she thinks. See a girl. See, here's one thing: a wife only has sex with her husband. A girlfriend will have sex with somebody she's not married to. Mm-hmm. That's why. They're women who give who give wifely benefits to a boyfriend. She's got a girlfriend mentality, mm. and if you and 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 lifelong girlfriends rarely ever turn into wives, because you're 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 content with just having a boyfriend. Well, a boyfriend just wants to have fun. He doesn't want to be responsible. Mm. In fact, some boyfriends don't even want to be identified like that. They want to keep you not just a side chick, a high chick. The man that wants to hide you doesn't want to honor you and doesn't want to be accountable for the level of commitment he's made to you. Wow. But but if he's having sex with you, you're giving so so let watch this, watch this. Immature men play games. We only play with stuff we don't plan on owning. Huh. So let's let's say we went to you and me went to the car dealership, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been a car been on your mind for years. You've been wondering you finally saved up enough money. When you get it, when you go to the dealership, when you get in that car, you sit in it different. You're going to buy this sucker. Mm-hmm. You you test drive it different. You don't want to hit nothing. Mm-hmm. You get in a little car. You're just playing with it. You're mm-hmm. doing spins mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. with it. When you play with stuff you don't plan on owning. Mm-hmm. Men play games, video games. They play, play. Women want to play house. So she doesn't want it, – it, what what – when you when we were little kids, we would play something called house. And somebody would be acting like the husband, somebody would be acting like the wife, and somebody would be acting like the little children. And I'm saying there are people who are 40 years old still playing house. Wow. Acting like you're married. Mm. Got nothing on paper, nothing that will protect you. You have no insurance policy. You have nothing. You're just the girlfriend who's giving up white privileges. Wow. And you're helping him pay his bills, and you're washing his clothes, and you're doing all this, and you're playing house. Mm. And you wonder who's the immature one. Y'all both immature. Like so so we talk about how to look at singlehood differently in the book and how to not be so so here's the thing. Most married men who have a side chick 
treat their wife like, let's go to baseball. You know I love sports. Mm-hmm. In baseball, you have two types of pitchers. You know that, right? You have pitchers who start, and you have pitchers who close. Okay. You have pitchers who sit in the dugout, and you have pitchers who the dugout pitcher, the guy in the dugout is playing. The guy in the bullpen is waiting to be called in, right? They're not starters. So you have on most teams five starters, and the rest of the pitching staff are what you call they come in to save the game. They're, okay. they're relief pitchers. Okay. Right? right? So you have a starter, you have relief. So a man who has a side chick, his wife is his starter, his side chick is relief. Mm. Now think about this. When the manager wow. goes to the mound and the starter's not getting the job done, come on. Mm. He goes to the mound. Watch this. He doesn't even call a relief pitcher by name. You know what he does? He points to which arm. If he points to his left arm, he says, I want the left-handed pitcher. He points to his right arm. He wants the right-handed pitcher. Wow. He didn't even call him by name. He points to a body part. And I'm saying if you're a girlfriend, you're a single woman, and you get a call at 1 o'clock in the morning, you ain't even a person. You're a 1.30 a.m. body part, and you're coming in to relieve, to relieve the manager because wow. the starter ain't getting the job done. And you'll live the rest of your life right there because if you continue to have a second mentality, you'll never be first. Mm-hmm. And you'll certainly never be only. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of stuff we talk about in there. So certainly the, 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 the book is about marriage because marriages are at stake when it comes to infidelity. But a lot of marriages actually can recover from infidelity. 